0: with this Romans 12 series uh, every week to help you to get the most out of it and we said that we we're going to help you to uh, to remember it or to memorize parts of Romans chapter 12. So every week we're going to do a little bit of an exercise to help you memorize Romans chapter 12. Seven of the verses if you'll if you've noticed in your bulletin you'll notice that there's a little there's two things in there that regar- that refer to Romans chapter 12. There's some notes, fill in the blank notes you can use when I'm speaking this morning. And the other thing in there you'll notice is an actual printout of the text of Romans chapter 12 in the, in the newest version of the NIV. Okay, so you, if you will see that little printout, you'll notice that some of those lines are in bold. Those are the verses we're going to memorize over the next six weeks. It's seven different verses, and, uh, and we're going to memorize them. But in order to memorize this morning's verse, which is Romans twelve. Verse one, I need seven volunteers to help me out. Seven volunteers. Let me see if I got one, two, three, four, five, six. So if you want to just come on up, come on up and give me a hand. I'd really appreciate it. Okay, so there we got one coming. I need I need six more. Six more. Six more. Who's coming? Who's the next? Who's next? Okay, so great. Okay. So can I get one of you just to you stand here now? You can hold it. Don't don't show people yet. Don't show people yet. Okay. One, two. Oh, well, we're doing good. We're doing good. Oh, it's a competition. Everyone wants to volunteer because they all want to be famous. <laughs> oh, we're running low. We're running low. Oh, I only got two left. Okay, I got two. I can do it then. You okay? You wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Okay. Okay. You're gonna help. Oh, this is a, <laughs> this one's really a difficult one. Okay. So this is Romans chapter 12 and verse one, but it's in the wrong order, I believe. So if you guys just turn it around real quick, turn it around real quick. And Harry, is it possible to get the... Ro- now, here's the thing. All my volunteers, you can't look back. We're going to put the real scripture verse up there, and we'll recite it, and then that'll help you guys sort yourselves out. So, Harry, can you get Romans? Okay, there we go. There we go. Oh, you guys, it's up there too. It's cheating. Can't believe you. You, f- you failed the integrity <laughs> test at the very beginning. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, Okay. He, it's tricky because we're going to... Oh, you turn it off. Now can it work? Can. Let's see. There you go. Okay. So we're going to get you guys to read it. And these guys are going to figure out the right order as we go. Okay? So let's read it once before anyone moves. Okay? Everybody read together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to god this is your true and proper worship romans 12 1. okay do you guys think you could figure out where you're supposed to go okay let's see if they can do it you can't look back let's just see you guys move around maybe you think you're more at the front of the verse or you're more at the end see if these guys can do it okay okay can you hold up your signs again and we'll see what we got here Okay, there we go. Good, good. You know, this is pretty close, but I think we have to read it again. I don't think they quite got it yet, so let's do it again, okay? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, did they get it? Oh, they're doing pretty good. Oh, this is really good. This is really good. Okay, okay. Do they got it? Yeah, okay. 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 Now we're going to now we're going to keep learning this though cuz we want to memorize it, not just say it a couple times. We want to memorize it. Now we'll we'll help you every week so that you can memorize scripture with, you know, lots of assistance here. Okay. So, let's start with the with the, the reference at the beginning since that's how it's printed, okay? So, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Wow, pretty good. Now, if we were going to get rid of one of these, which would be the easiest one to get rid of? The first one. Everyone says, okay, so, Linda, do you want to just put yours down? Just, or turn it over, that's great. Okay, so here we go. Let's read this first one. Oh, we've got to get rid of the cheat sheet here. Let's, we're going to make it harder here. Thank you. Okay, here we go. So the reference is Romans 12 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, let's get rid of another one here. I think you, got, you can get rid of this one, hey? You think so? Do you remember what it said? I urge you, brothers and sisters. Okay, here we go. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do you think we should just go in order? In view of God's mercy. Okay, here we go. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. How many of you think you already have it memorized? Yeah, some of you. Some of you are sort of on the, on the edge. Okay. So quickly, what does this one say? It says? Oh, but what's the verse. Therefore. What does this one say? What's this one say? Too easy, too easy. Okay, let's try again. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Oh, it takes two to hold this one, but we're going to let it go there. Here we go again. We're almost to the de- to the end. Romans twelve one. Therefore, I honored you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. One more time, and then we're going to do it all together. Wow, this is so exciting. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Val can't wait to set it down. There we go. Okay, do we have it memorized? Let's find out. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I honor you, brothers, in, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true end. You know, this is the hardest one for me, because this is different from the 1984 version of the NIV, so this is a good one. How many of you think you got it? Somewhat? Somewhat. Okay. Let's thank our amazing volunteers. All right. Do you want to collect those? That would be awesome. Okay. So today, if you got a Bible, you can turn to Romans chapter 12. That would be a great place to go, since that's where we're going. And we've entitled this, this message, God's Dream for Your Life, uh, but I want to start by saying that every parent has a dream for their child. You know, when you, your, your child is first born, it's, it's very simple. You're just thrilled if they're healthy when they're born, right? You know, you hear parents say that. You say, well, did you have a boy or a girl? Was that what you wanted? No, I just wanted a healthy child. So every parent has a dream for their child, but then... Surrounding that moment of, you know, whether the child is healthy or not, there's all sorts of other dreams that come into play, right? So maybe when, uh, you know, through the pregnancy, lots of talk happened about what this child would do in the future. And uh, maybe after the child is born, then lots of thoughts percolate about things that they'll do in the future. Um, I know when my oldest son was born... I was relieved that they were healthy but then I immediately turned to thinking about all the things they might do this hidden potential locked up in the heart of, or in the life of a child. And so I thought of things they might do. It'd be great if my kids were athletic, artistic, musical, bilingual, good dancers, top students because their dad's not a good dancer. Great swimmers, entrepreneurs, intellectuals, street smart, mechanically inclined. World travelers, astronauts, play for the riders, the Prime Minister of Canada. (laughs) I had a really short list. I didn't expect much. But if if you've been a parent, you know. But even if you've not been a parent, your parents had dreams that started to percolate when you came along. Possibilities. And a lot of it would have been around the things that you do. Now, an interesting thing that has happened to me along the way, I'm 13 and a half years into this parenting role uh, since my firstborn came along, our firstborn, and uh, I've noticed a change. Now, I still think a lot about what my kids will do. I'm still in that camp pretty firmly, but I'm noticing another theme coming along, and that is it's a theme not so much about what my kids will do, but what my kids will become. And this uh, and 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 the 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 do one is all about activity and accomplishment and achievement but over here there's this other thing that's starting to rise in prominence and that's who what will they become and and a lot of that is going to be seen in how they relate to others part of why this is changing in me is because I'm listening to parents older than me ones whose kids have grown up and are young adults or, or older adults and they're saying something that reflects a different value. They're saying, you know what? When I was young, a, a very beginner parent, I thought so much about what my kids were going to do, but now that I'm older, I think a lot about relationship. In fact, if you run into parents and the relationship between their chi- them and their child has become strained or broken, they will tell you how so much they would, they would give up their kids achievements in order to have the right relationship. I don't care so much anymore about what they do. Now it's about who they've become. You know what do parents want for their kids? What's the dream that that begins to emerge? The greater dream than just what you do is the dream that you know I want my kids to to have a good relationship with me I want to have a good relationship with my kids I want uh, um, my kids to uh, have a good relationship with God I want my kids to have a good relationship with other people I want uh, my kids to be honest and loving and compassionate and, and giving and those things begin to show up as a greater and greater value more than whether they uh, got a job with NASA or whether they you know, achieved at the highest academic level those things begin to change See, at the end of the day, the real dream in most parents' hearts is not about what their kids do. It's about who they become and the relationship that they have with their kids. And in a similar way, our Heavenly Father has a dream for every one of his children. And his dream is simply to make you more and more like his son, Jesus you got the little fill-in-the-blanks there. That's the first one. I'm going to tell you what it is. You can, I won't tell you what they all are, but the, God's dream is to make you like his son. Right? Lots of parents can say the... I'll give you the other one, too. Our, our kids can be our greatest joy, the source of our greatest joy, or our deepest pain, and it's all because of whether relationship is, is good or broken. So where do I get this? Where do I get this? His dream is to make you like his son. Let's start at Romans 8, 28 and 29. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. There's lots of stuff in there that would take a lot of unpacking. Let me grab the simplest, most key part of it. Uh, God is using every circumstance in your life, every up. And every down every relationship everything we go through to make you like his son jesus he knows you he's got a destiny for you and that destiny is to become more and more and more and more like like jesus let me give you a different verse ephesians 4 11 to 13. Again, lots of stuff I won't unpack here, but let me get to the heart of it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, teachers. These are all um, roles in the church. I won't get into them, but let's keep going. Why did he do it? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, just taking that phrase, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So, so God gives certain leaders to the church who train, whose job is to train people so they can s- serve each other. And in serving each other and living with each other and engaging each other in community, they become mature. They grow. They build each other up. They encourage each other. They become more and more mature, and the final goal is that they would attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, God's God's dream for you is not just that you become a little bit like Jesus. God's dream for you is that you become a whole lot like Jesus. The whole purpose of the church is designed so that relationships we have, the gifts and abilities God gives us, are used to help each other grow up to be like Jesus. So God's dream for you, again, I'm saying it again and again, but I want to be really clear to you. God's dream for you is that you would come into relationship with him and that you would mature spiritually. And maturing spiritually looks like becoming like Jesus. So more and more, you're thinking like Jesus. You're living like Jesus. You're loving other people like Jesus. You're selfless like Jesus. More and more your priorities and your money and your time and your calendar are just like as if Jesus were living inside of your body. God's dream for you. God's dream for his kids. But here's the problem, and most of us will recognize the problem, that often even if if you've come to that point where you've uh, come to follow Jesus or profess faith in him and you want to follow him, is that often we have this experience where we say, this is what I'm all about." following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and then this is what my lifestyle looks like, and there's a big gap in between. <laughs> I think we all experience that. What, and so what do we do about this, this big gap? Uh, lots of people have written about this. Um, there's a, what's happened in the last uh, 50, 60 years is there's been more people becoming Christians than ever before in all of history. We're living in a really amazing age where uh, you say, you might not see that as much in Canada, but globally that's what's happening, right? It used to be that a few solitary missionaries would go out of Europe or North America and go to other countries and, and give their lives and die in Africa or South America, and that used to be the story. The story is very different now. Now the missionaries come from Africa, they come from South America, they come from Asia, and they go everywhere. I mean, they come from Canada too, but globally, more people are coming have come to believe in Christ in this last 50, 60 years than any other time in the world. But the challenge is, and John Stott, he's an author who said it, he said, he said it's like 50 million, what's happening is this, all these new Christians, it's like 50 million miles wide, but it's only a sixteenth of an inch thick because of the fact that they haven't grown, they haven't become spiritually mature there hasn't been that training so that they become more and more and more like Jesus now in some settings through when they're highly persecuted that develops because of you know the testing of our faith produces perseverance and character and all those good things so we become more like Jesus in those environments often that's what happens and in other environments where they have really focused plans to teach people how to be like Jesus we call that like focused discipleship when that happens it's happening but in a big swaths of people that are followers of Jesus that's not happening and so there isn't that deepening of uh, becoming more and more like Jesus like it needs to happen that's the challenge that we face here at Hillcrest is how do we help you help each other become spiritually mature become more and more like Jesus. So I want you to take your, so that, I want you to take your hand out. So you can grab your hand out. You can open it in the middle. Or you, actually, you're still on the front page, I guess. The good news about what we're going to study in the next six weeks is that it's a great snapshot of what that becoming like Jesus looks like. Romans 12 is an incredible snapshot. It's not everything. It's not like it's the whole Bible. It's just one chapter. But it's a really great, I'd say, executive summary. It's like, you know, if if um, someone were to hand you some big thing, they were saying, here's my proposal to start a new company. It was 80 pages thick. Can you read that? You're like, can you just, do you have one page somewhere that just sort of gives me the basic gist? Because I'd really like to understand, th- I want to get the picture. I want to get the picture before... I dive into these 80 pages that, you you know, just, you know, before I get lost in numbers and figures and all these things, can you just give me a picture? Romans 12 is like that. It gives you a snapshot, not the full everything, but it gives you a really good snapshot of what it looks like to become like Jesus in all of your relationships. And relationships is actually where you'll be able to see best whether you're becoming like Jesus. (laughs) Okay? That's one of the best ways that you're going to see it. Okay? So that's why we're going, to, we're going to look at Romans 12 the next six weeks because and gives us this incredible summary. of, And it, it becomes a way where you can come back and ask these questions about, am I becoming more and more like Jesus? What about this area? What about this area? What about this area? And you can, you can discover that thing for yourself. So let me just give you the, the fill-in-the-blank on the front of your page there. God's dream for every child is to become a disciple, or you could say a Romans 12... Christian. So you can fill that in on the, on the little part in the front there. Now, I want you to open your hand out to the middle. Just go to the middle. If you've got a pen, I want you to do something. I want you to start circling words. Okay? Okay? So you'll see in there, you'll see uh, that it's broken down into five relationships. And that's one way you can break Romans 12 down, into five relationships. First, relationship with God. You can just circle God. Circle God. Okay? That's, that's the first relationship we're going to talk about. And then, after that, we've got relationship with the world. Okay, so first it's God. Like, what's my relationship like with God? Am I for him, against him, indifferent to him? Am I in with him? Am I all in with him? Am I resisting him? Do I not really give a care about him? You know, what's your relationship with God? That's the first thing we're going to talk about. But then we're going to talk about what's your relationship to the world's values? The pattern of this world is what the scripture talks about. We're going to talk about that in a bit. Okay, what's your, your relationship to the world's values? Okay. Then, so you can circle world there. Then the next one is, is, what's your relationship? Okay, so we got God, the world's values. Oh, what's your relationship to yourself? What's your relationship to yourself? How do you see yourself? We're going to talk about that. Then, what's your relationship to believers? So that means other people who are also followers of Jesus, other people who say, I'm a Christian, I'm trying to follow Jesus. What's your relationship to them? And the last one is unbelievers. Okay, So what's your relationship to people who say, hey, I'm, I'm not doing that Jesus thing, that's not really what I'm into, or I'm not, I haven't come to that point of believing in him? What's your relationship to them? Okay, so those are the big five relationships that Romans chapter 12 helps us to identify. So thank you for quickly going through your notes and circling all those. And each week over the next five weeks, we're going to take one of those relationships and we're just going to break it down. We're going to break it down. Because it's not just that you want to, I don't, today we're going to show you the big, snap, big view, okay, the big picture. But each week then we're going to go dig down into each one and go, okay, relationship with God, relationship with the world, relationship with go through each one of them, okay? So now, I want you to help me communicate this stuff, okay? So what I want you to do is that if you have a neighbor, I want you to turn towards your neighbor. Now, you might not have a neighbor right next to you, but if you have someone for beside you that you like doing silly things with, I want you to do that with them, okay? So I want you to turn to them. Now, if you're now you're partnering up with someone, you are? Okay, good. If you're on the right side, if you're on the right side of this partnership, I want you to say in your best tough guy voice when you say okay I'll say it first then you can say it hey buddy got that hey buddy this Romans 12 scene is God's dream for you okay this Romans 12 scene is God's dream for you I want you to say that if you're on the right side say that to them All right, I saw some very intimidating pointing fingers. All right, very good. Okay, now, if you're on the left side of the relationship, you can just respond back and say, oh, yeah? This, Roman 12, scene is God's dream for you. Okay, (laughs) go ahead. It wasn't supposed to turn into a full-on fight, okay? So some of you, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I don't know, we, that's the end of the chapter. We'd have to run to it quickly to solve all those conflicts. All right. So let's start with Romans chapter 1, okay? I'm going to, oh, I was going to read it, but I bet we can quote it. We learned it, right? So we'll, let's start there, okay? We're going to check with the first relationship, relationship with God, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So it goes, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your worship. true and proper worship. Oh, yeah. it's hard for me to get in my head. Okay. Thank you. So how do, this question, there's a question that goes with this first relationship, the relationship to God. And this is it. How do I give God what he really wants? How do I give God what he really wants? Like, I, do you ever wonder what God wants from you? Say, if I only knew what God wants, I'd do it. What does God want from me? Well, the answer is very simple. He wants you. He wants you. Not your religious activity he wants you say oh what about prayer and bible reading going to church oh that all has a place but if you don't start in the right places you don't start first with the fact that god wants you all that prayer and bible reading and going to church is going to be religious activity and you're going to have it in a whole different wrong framework that isn't good let me explain it see people get this backwards And it's easy to get backwards. Don't feel bad if you have it backwards. I think we all get it backwards. Even people who have come to follow Jesus revert to getting it backwards. Okay? So here we go. It's supposed to be that you begin with offering yourself to God, and then you begin this great big journey of Learning to walk with God and learning to pray and learning to read your Bible, learning to go to church and connecting and and learning to serve and and, and all the things that God's got planned for your adventure with Him, that's how it's supposed to begin. But a lot of people have the opposite journey in mind. They think, if I do all these religious activities, if I pray and I read the Bible and I go to church and I help little old ladies cross the street and stuff like that, then eventually I'll come to this moment where I'll say, Ta-da! Look at me, God. Do you love me now? Did I do enough that you'd love me? Did I do enough that you'd accept me? Did I do enough good to cancel out the bad? That's how a lot of people approach God, but it's supposed to be the other way around. It's really supposed to be that we understand God's incredible love for us the Bible contains the whole story, the story of Jesus, and basically how he, he came, he lived a perfect life, he died in our place. In Romans 5.8, it says he's demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we cleaned up any part of our lives spiritually, he died for us. So the story doesn't start with our good intentions to make ourselves acceptable to God. The story actually starts with God's son as a sacrifice for our sins. God's love demonstrated clearly. How much do I love you? Once that was demonstrated, then that's where it begins. Where we say, okay, as we understand the love of God for us and we respond, then we walk in all of these things. But they aren't like a religious effort to try to somehow please God that leads to frustration because we can never do it. They're a delight because we're responding to God's love for us. And there's a power that comes with this way that isn't in this way. Because this leads to guilt and frustration and shame and eventually not measuring up. But this starts with the fact we don't measure up then we get God's grace and his love just poured into our lives and we go and then we begin a journey we're eager beginners just starting out with him and he takes us the whole way to the end you got to get it in the right order the Romans 12 way begins with offering yourself to God in response to his love for you in the current state that you're in don't even bother trying to renovate your life before inviting God to be the general contractor You know those shows? I Wrecked My House? That is so many people's spiritual journey. They're like, I am going to just make my life as pristine and wonderful and glowing as possible, and then God will love me, and God is like, oh, please. Every renovation you're doing, I'm going to have to undo. Why don't you just invite me in at the beginning of the process? So wherever you are right now where you think, I would come to God, but I want to kick this habit. Forget it. Forget it. Forget it. Just come to God. I want to come to God right now, but I've got these doubts. Wow! Everybody in here has got some level of doubt that they're sort of sorting through. But we came to God. We just brought our doubts with us. We just picked up the baggage and said, here I come, Jesus. (laughs) Doubts, fears, anxieties, turmoil, conflict i'm giving all of myself to you in the condition that i'm currently in and now you can be the general contractor and start sorting it out and i'll just cooperate with you i'll just say yes when you want to renovate an area of my heart that's the way to experience god's power in your life that's one of the things that's missing in a lot of lives of of even christians is that they they've got it backwards a couple summers ago, I ran into, well, this is maybe five years ago, I was speaking at, a, at a, a camp, and I was speaking to the students, the youth, and then there was a woman who was speaking to the adults, and she was about 75 years old, and just full of life and vitality and love from God, and you, like, if I was going to paint you a picture, like, of what it looks like for Jesus to change a life to be just like Jesus, it would be this woman. Her name was Anita. And I remember just being amazed at her life. And, and she'd gone all over the world, and people from all over countries in the world would go to listen to her because she'd been so transformed to be like Jesus. So I, just like I like to interview people here, I, I wanted to interview her. So I got her up in front of all our students and youth, and I said, okay, how did you get here? Because you weren't like this. You, 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 arrived, you became this. God changed you. How did it happen? Tell me about some of your spiritual practices, I said. Now, I've asked that question to lots of leaders through the years, and mostly the answers I get discourage me. Oh, my spiritual practices. Well, I spend five hours in prayer, and then I read the Bible for eight hours, and then I, uh, I've got the whole Bible memorized, of course, and then I, of course, I, I go and I save whole villages from starvation, and I do this, and, I, and it's just like I go, oh, you have to be a type A personality workaholic superhero to be pleasing to God well I'm none of those hmm. so I asked this lady this charming wonderful full of the life of God lady I said what what are your spiritual practices and she says I've done lots of things for seasons I've, I've I, just like we're doing this for a season six weeks I've done lots of things for a season to grow and then I didn't do them and then I did other things and grew I did other things and other things. I did that through my life, here and there, different things. There's only one practice that I've done my entire life walking with Jesus. Only one. So I said, oh, that doesn't matter. I don't want to hear which. No, I said, I want to know. What is the one practice? What's the one thing you've done all the time? She says, okay. Every night I get down on my knees beside my bed and I say to God, God, I belong to you. Then I get off my knees, and I crawl into bed, and I open my Bible, and I try to read one chapter, and if I fall asleep, it still counts. (laughs) I was like, that's it? That's it? That's the one spiritual practice I've done my entire life. Every day, I offer myself to God. This is the starting place if you come to Romans chapter 12 and you haven't offered yourself to God you will make it into a religious moral code you'll make it into a to-do list to make God love you he already loves you if you read the first part of Romans chapters 1 to 11 this is chapter 12 right 1 to 11 it tells about our sin and talks about God's plan to save us from the penalty of our sin Being separated from God forever would be the penalty, but he has a plan that he puts in place through sending Jesus. Talks about uh, God's faithfulness to us and his incredible sovereignty over all things. That's chapters one through 11. It's this great 11 chapters that just ooze the love of God and the grace of God and God's willingness to pull out all the stops to be in relationship with us. So if you've read that, if you've encountered that, if you understand that, if it's even starting to, even as you sang a worship song this morning, if it's starting to get real for you, that God really, really, really loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you, and your heart begins to respond, then you turn the corner to Romans chapter 12. And you say, God, what's your dream for my life? I want to live it. I want to experience it. So it begins with relationship to God. And the key to life-giving relationship to God is starting with surrender to God. That's your fill-in-the-blank if you're looking. Surrender to God. Second thing is relationship to the world. Romans 12:2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this this part answers another really important life question, which is, how do you and me get the very best from God? How do we get the best from God? If God really loves me, if he died for me and rose from the dead and has a plan for my life, how do I tap into that wonderful plan? How do I get God's best that he has for me? His good, pleasing, perfect will is described as here. How do I get that? And the big part of that answer comes out in figuring out our relationship to the world's values. See, a lot of Christians are trying to live with... It's like they've they're, they got a foot in one boat, and there's another boat, and they're starting to drift apart. And the more they drift apart, the more anxiety they have in their lives. And God meant for us to live with peace in our lives... But the only way we get, really get peace in our lives is when we finally separate ourselves from the one boat, the boat of the world's values, which conflict with God's values, and really go all in with him. Now, it's not an instantaneous thing. It's a process, right? Not being conformed to the world, but being transformed, being continually, progressively transformed to be more and more like Jesus. See, the world's values will say, if you, if you get more money, more influence, more possessions, more conveniences, or, or power over others, then it will satisfy the longings that you have inside of you for security and love and significance and belonging. And God says that if you prioritize relationship with me first, and then learn to serve other people in, out of love for me second, you're going to have a much more satisfying life not necessarily a comfy easier life in fact it might be much harder but a deeply satisfying life those soul cravings that you have inside they weren't meant to be satisfied with all of the things the world is telling you that you need they're meant to be satisfied in relationship with God and proper relationship with people so in the, next, in the week when we jump into the second week relationship with the world, we're going to learn how to break the pattern of trying to live by co- contradicting values. The world's values, God's values, how they pull back. And, what, and the result is we want people to have peace in their lives. We want you to have peace. That's God's dream for you, for you to have peace in your life because you're not in two camps being pulled back and forth, but you're actually you're all in with God, and that's where the peace is. How about relationship with yourself? How about relationship with yourself? So by the way, if you missed the fill in the blank on the last one, it was separate from the world's values. Separate from the world's values. Romans 12, 3 to 8. This is all about relationship with yourself. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith, God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, Do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So in these verses, we learn that in our relationship with ourselves, God desires for us to have a sober self-assessment. You can put that in the blank. In other words, God desires for us to see ourselves as we really are, not the better than we are um, version that we might try to project to others or post on Facebook, or a worse than we really are version that others might try to project on us or that we in our darkest most depressed times might come to embrace but the real version that God sees the real version of you that God sees with perfect clarity so how do we do that how do we come to grips with who we really are and how God made us and the purpose that we have in life. See, a lot, of people end up, they, and a lot of people end up playing games with their lives, trying to fulfill their mom's purpose or their dad's purpose or the culture's purpose or the company's purpose or, or what other people think. But then, when, then they, when they start to get a handle on God's purpose for them, they start experiencing a brand new freedom. It's so freeing to be able to say, this is why I'm here. My purpose is this. And this is what I'm good at, and this is what I'm not good at, and this is where I need help. And this is an area where I need to step out and let God use me because he's made me for this. So, so far, what have we got? We've got people who are surrendered to God. That was what we, in our relationship with God, we've got people who are progressively more and more separate from the world's values. That's the relationship with the world. We've got people who are developing a sober self-assessment God's helping them to see who they really are. They're discovering their purpose, why they're here. Okay? The dream that God has for you is starting to come together. It's getting exciting. And then we happen upon relationships with believers. So Romans chapter 12, 9 to 13. says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. The fourth relationship is with other followers of Jesus. And if you have discovered your purpose and you've started to clue in that it involves not only serving God but also serving others, how do you go about it? What's the attitude that you bring with it? What's the way that you serve? It's one thing to do what you're good at, but how do you do it? Jesus gave some instruction in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples or becoming spiritually mature or becoming more like Jesus or fulfilling God's dream for your life. By this, they will know. If you love one another. If you love one another. What does it mean to love one another? I mean really love one another. I mean, I guess it means you have to be close to people, right? People you actually know, know each other and you like each other probably. I don't know there's always that conflict. I love you but I don't like you. I don't know if that works so well but probably you like each other if you love them. It's probably going hand in hand. You sacrifice for each other. Because Jesus demonstrated his love that way, it would be naturally for us becoming a little more like Jesus to do that. We pray for each other, we do whatever it takes to help one another. See, this leads us to another thing that could be missing from the lives of Christians, and that's presence. The presence of God. See, God meant for his presence not just to be something that only is experienced in direct relationship with him, but it's to be experienced in communally Relating to other people. Say, man, I'd really like to experience the presence of God. I'd just would like it if you'd send several angels into my bedroom tonight to tell me that I'm loved. Well, if God does that tonight, tell me about it. I'd really like to hear it. That would be cool. But I think for 99% of us, the reality of how we're going to experience the presence of God in our lives is through relationships with other people who are Christians. I'll tell you one point in my week when I experienced the presence of God. When uh, we, uh, on Tuesday mor- Tuesday mornings, we have a staff meeting here at the church. We take some time to read uh, some scripture. And then we take some time to pray sort of individually. And then we share what, what God's speaking to us or what we discovered in his word. And often people are just like so thankful for what they discovered. And wow, God is amazing and all this stuff. You know, in that environment of like being excited about God and praising God and recognizing him, I sense the presence of God there. It just seems really natural at the end of that time to go, thank you, God. Wow. You're here, aren't you? You're really, really, really here. That's the majority of the ways I think. I think we can experience God in a worship service. We can experience God in all sorts of different ways. But it's in the, it's in the presence of other Christians that we begin to experience those things. And it's as we come together serving one another in love, that we're able to build those relationships in that community that leads us to experience his his presence. That's a challenge for us to do that, but we're going to spend a whole week just really dialing down into that. The last one, relationship with unbelievers. Romans 12, 14 to 21. This part is about relationships with unbelievers. with people who may not be believers okay let me say may not because it's not just non-believers you got that circle there but let me just say this we're answering the question of how do you deal with the evil that gets directed at you that's what we're asked answering how do you deal with the fact that hostility comes your way how do you deal with the fact that you get a target on your back sometimes how do you deal with that how are we supposed to deal with that? What's God's dream for how we would deal with that? Well, I, one of the Old Testament stories that really helps me is the story of Joseph. He was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused by, uh, of, of some sexual improprieties. He was unfairly put into prison. He was forgotten by those he helped when he was in prison. And yet when God raised him up to a position of power and prominence and he had the opportunity to get revenge on his brothers who started the whole thing, he didn't. In fact, he provided for them. He cared for them. He blessed them with the power and and wealth that he had had gotten. Instead of gaining revenge, he responded and, and blessed them. And this is what he said. He said, you meant it for evil. This is what he said to his brothers. You meant it for evil but God meant it for good. What does God want to us, give us in, in our relationship with people who attack us, who come against us, maybe with evil intentions? He wants to give us perspective. It's almost like he wants to say, hey, just climb into this helicopter and go way up high, away from the situation, and then look down on it and see it even just in a, in, a, in a fraction of the way that I see it. See that I am working in all of those situations, even if you're under attack, even if you're, you're constantly facing the stress of people's hostility towards you. See what I see, that I am with you in that, and I am working those things for you good, and I'm going to use that situation to make you spiritually mature, to make you more and more like my son, This current nightmare is producing my eternal dream for you. It's perspective. So, how do you overcome the evil aimed at you? It's supernatural. You need God. You need his power. You need his presence. You need his perspective. But it's supernaturally responding with good to the evil that's aimed at you. That's God's dream for every one of his children. That we would be a people that responds with good to evil. So this morning I've just tried to give you a bit of a picture. I hope this Romans 12 series is starting to become clear. I hope you're getting a bit of a a snapshot. You'll get it more and more as you, as you dig deeper and deeper. But it's let me say a few things. It's about relationship. It's about relationship. And it starts with a relationship with God. Don't jump ahead. You skip that first step, you're going to create a religious mess. Powerless efforts that will lead to a dead end. A cycle of guilt and frustration that is not going to be helpful. You have to start with the beginning, which is offering yourself to God. Once you've offered yourself to God, once you say, once you've answered the question, am I surrendered to God? Then you can go on to the other questions. Once that's a big yes, once it's like, yes, yes just as I am with all my flaws, with all my failings, with all of my hang-ups and habits and, and baggage that I bring. Once you've said yes to God in your current state that you're in, then you can go on to the other ones. Then you can start asking the other questions. Am I separate from the world's values? And God will help you with that. Do I have a sober self-assessment? God will help you with that. Am, am I serving in love? God will help you with that. Am I supernaturally, supernaturally responding to evil with good? God will help you with that. But it begins with offering yourself to God. i can just ask you to stand here as we, we, we're going to close. Prayer teams, I invite you guys to come. I invite you guys to come up the prayer, uh, prayer teams who are here.